A reading from the Gospel of John, starting at, from chapter 13, starting at verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Thanks, Patrick. Feet are interesting things, aren't they? We've all got them. They're important. We walk on them. They help us to stand up. They do hard work for us every single day. Some people love them and are quite fascinated by them for some reason. Some people hate them and never want to see them or touch them or have them anywhere near them. They sweat, they grow all sorts of bumps. Uh, Sometimes they really smell. In our modern Australian culture here today, they're often covered and protected, not seen, nor really talked about very often. But in many cultures around the world, feet are, were and are hard and calloused and very well used. They take a daily beating and they're often very dirty. So why am I talking about feet? Well, it is the start of 2019 and maybe we want to put our best foot forward? Or is it that somehow talking about feet is going to help us to get to the soul of the issue in this passage? Yes, they are very bad dad jokes, but what do you expect from me? Actually, talking about feet will support us in the imagery of this particular well-known passage Yesterday we're looking at a very famous gospel event. We are looking at the feet washing of the disciples. It's interesting to note that it's only here in John's gospel that this story is clearly talked about. 
John is clear in his Gospel that he has included some bits in the Gospel and he has excluded other bits deliberately. And we read about that in his purpose statement for the Gospel of John in John chapter 20, verse 30. He's left bits of Jesus' story out on purpose but the bits that he has included are there deliberately so that we may know and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So this interesting interaction tells us something very important about the character of the Messiah. It also teaches us an important lesson about following the Messiah. So as we step our way through this interesting incident, we're going to look at it through three main points. We're going to look at the act, we're going to look at the objection and we're going to look at the application. So the act, the objection and the application... Leading up to this act of foot washing in chapter 13, Jesus' own feet have been washed, but not with water, with expensive perfume. We read about that in chapter 12. Jesus is then ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey, of all things, to a kingly welcome. He predicts his own death. Some believe him, some reject him. And now we come to chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now it is generally accepted by many commentators that this foot washing and the teachings that followed were on the same night which Jesus was betrayed. This incident occurred at what we now call the Lord's Supper. Jesus is with his 12 close followers preparing to eat a meal, a meal of remembrance. In essence, this was the last Passover meal. He institutes at this meal a new meal, a new meal of remembrance, the Lord's Supper. The ones he loved so dearly and taught and guided are about to partake of this meal with him. A meal we ourselves will partake of later this morning. Don't worry, I'm not about to crack out the basin and the towel and wash your feet before we, uh, we do that. This was a special moment. It was a special meal with a special group of men. And it was with the special man, the Messiah, manhood and deity in perfect harmony, Jesus. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus was about to be arrested. He was about to be crucified, but this was no surprise to him at all. He knew all things. He knew that all things were under his power and under his authority. He knew that he had come from God, that he was God and that he was returning to God. He knew that this was about to happen and he knew what that meant. And so with the backdrop of that, he gets up, gets down on his knees and washes some feet. This act just seems so upside down. This is the Messiah, God, getting up from the table, wrapping a towel around his waist and washing a lowly group of blokes' feet. Now these aren't clean, pedicured feet. As Karina had talked about, Jesus and his disciples had just walked a long distance from Bethany. Their feet were only protected by some basic leather sandals. 
We're not talking about top-of-the-line hiking boots or cross trainers. We're talking about basic bits of leather and a bit of strap slapped on the bottom of your foot. These feet would have been partly exposed to the dirt and the mud, mixing nicely in with a bit of sweat. They're good old-fashioned traveller's feet. It was not uncommon for travellers to have their feet washed when they came to someone's house. This was a very normal practice. But who did it wasn't normal. The act of having feet washed would have happened to these blokes often before. It was customary, it was common, it was a service that was performed for people who were visiting. It would be performed by a servant, not by the host. It was a menial task. To remove the sandals and to wash the feet was low skill, low ranked. Think of the way that John the Baptist described his feelings of the unworthiness in comparison to Christ. He could think of no better way to express this than to say that he believed that he was so unworthy, unworthy even to remove the sandals of Jesus, with the most probable reason being to wash them. John the Baptist recognised that this act was lowly, that this act that Jesus the Messiah, the King of the world, Jesus, the word through which the whole world was created, Jesus the only perfect sacrifice to be, the Son of God, God who is and is and will be to come, would one day be in such a position that he himself would stoop down to perform such a task. It's upside down. But this upside down act shouldn't surprise us in any way because this is Jesus, the servant king. This is his MO. This is the way that Jesus operated. Philippians 2 teaches us that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but he made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant being made in human likeness and appearance as a man, humbles himself to being obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is Jesus' MO. He came not to serve, but to, not to be served, but to serve. It's a topsy-turvy kingdom. The owners of the feet which Jesus is about to wash have just been arguing They have been arguing about who is the greatest. And we know from the other Gospel accounts that this is not the first time that these guys have had that argument. They have argued about who is worthy, who is more greater, many times before. And this is a common argument that we see throughout history. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest on the basketball court? Who's the greatest in doing this or the greatest in doing that? Alexander the Great, Muhammad Ali famously said that he was the greatest and if, in case you missed it, Donald Trump has also said that he is going to be the greatest president ever. History will tell whether that is true or not. Here in this passage we're looking at today, we actually do have the greatest. We have the king. We have Jesus himself. He is the greatest. And he is stooping down to serve a bunch of blokes. So how did they react to this servant act? Well, I'm sure that some were in a bit of shock. Some may have felt a bit embarrassed. Some were confused. 
one had a very clear objection. Peter. Peter, he refuses. No, Lord, you shall never wash my feet, he says. Now you can hear Peter saying, oh, no, no, I'm below you, I should wash your feet. But he doesn't get to. Now it's easy for us to say, Jeff, listen, this is Peter, this is what we expect from Peter, this is Peter's MO. He never gets it, he's a bit slow. But let's not downplay that the disciples did not yet have the full revelation of Christ. They did not yet see clearly Christ and his plan. Let's not underestimate God's purpose in their current lack of understanding so that his will could be done. Let's not overestimate their human ignorance and just go, it's a bunch of dumb disciples. God is teaching them and he's teaching us through these dumb disciple moments that we see. Jesus answered Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. See, Jesus is using the physical to explain the spiritual. This is not some man-to-man personal hygiene chat. This is Jesus teaching Peter and the rest of the disciples and us here today that spiritually we only need to have a bath once. When we confess our sins, when we repent, we are forgiven. We are washed, we are clean once and for all. He who is bathed, he who has been cleaned, cleansed by the blood of Christ, is justified, has no need of washing again. Peter, you're clean. You don't need a bath. There's no need for washing here, except for your feet, Peter. Yes, you're clean, but your feet, they're dirty. They'll get dirty. Peter, you're justified, but you need to remember that you walk here on this earth. You need to remember to clean your feet you need to remember about sanctification. All right, let's pause for a second because I've just thrown two doctrines out at you, two essential teachings or two vocations, justification and sanctification. But what do we mean by these terms? What am I talking about? Well, justification means the declared righteousness before God made possible through Christ's death and resurrection. Righteousness declared through the act of Christ before God. Sanctification means our gradual growing righteousness made possible through the Spirit's work in us. You see, justification is new birth. Sanctification is ongoing growth. Justification is once off. Sanctification doesn't stop. Jesus is teaching Peter that he's clean. He's justified but his feet will get dirty and they will need to be cleaned and then they'll get dirty again and then they'll need to be cleaned again. Now while many of us don't strap a thong of leather on the bottom of our foot and walk kilometres through dirt every day, you might head down to the beach from time to time, particularly at this time of year. Now I don't know about you but I think we're having an absolute cracker of a summer. Um, With weather like this, it's great to spend time at the beach, swimming, paddling, playing beach cricket, building sandcastles, relaxing in the sun. The beach is a great place to hang out. But in my opinion, the beach has one major downfall, the sand. It gets everywhere. 
and it sticks to everything. And I'm sure that you've all experienced from one time or another the frustration of keeping your feet clean when you leave the beach to go somewhere else. You come out of the water, you're drying yourself down and the sand sticks to your feet. You try to wipe them down, the sand sticks to the towel and then back on your feet again. You splash them with some water or slip on some thongs or even try a combination of all of those things and by the time you get back to the car, you've got sand between your toes plus a little bit of grass. You need to wash them again. It's a little bit like sanctification. Now, sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit working in us and changing us. Justification is through Christ alone and it is new birth. Sanctification is growth through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Ongoing, forever change. If we are called and respond, we're justified once. We are clean. But as we walk through this world, as we struggle with our selfish desires, uh, we need to remember about sanctification. Through the Holy Spirit, we need to grow, to continue to grow in our desire for God, in our desire for holiness. And as we move through this passage from the act to the objection, we see the application of this. Do you understand why I've do- what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no greater servant, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This was the greatest washing the lowly. The disciples were just arguing about who was the greatest and what that meant. So this interesting interaction tells us something very important about the character of the Messiah. Jesus showed us that the greatest was a servant. Jesus is a servant king and he wants us to follow him. This interesting interaction teaches them and us that no servant is greater than his master. No, uh, nor is a master, sorry, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus was showing that just as he was not greater than the one who sent him, God the Father, neither were those that he was about to send be greater than those they sent the message to. We know that Jesus was soon to die. He would then be resurrected. He would then ascend to the Father and would send another. The Holy Spirit would descend on these men, these very men at Pentecost. And this interesting interaction tells us some important things about following the Messiah. It tells us that we are to serve. That we are not the greatest. That we are to serve others. It also tells us that when we are called, when we believe and respond, we are clean. We are justified 
reborn, but that we need to remember to wash our feet, to be working out our salvation and to grow. That's sanctification. This process will drive us to be more Christ-like, which will drive us to serve others more. Justification is about new birth and sanctification is about growth. Justification is once off, sanctification is ongoing. Now you might be sitting here and realise that you're not actually justified, that you've not actually responded to Christ's call on your life to repent of the sins that you have done against him, to believe in and follow him. That might be you here this morning. The question is, will you respond? Will you ask for that one-off justification being set right before God the Father because of Christ's death and resurrection? Or you might be sitting here this morning thinking about sanctification, about the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in your life. How are your feet? Are you paying attention to the state of them? Are you continually asking the Holy Spirit to grow you and change you on that path to greater righteousness and holiness before the King? The disciples needed to do this. We all, as we follow Christ, need to do this. Not to earn our salvation, but in response to our salvation. And it's not in our own strength. It's the Spirit's work in us. The context of this foot-washing incident is at the meal that we're about to partake of. This is a meal of remembrance, a meal to remember the greatest act of servanthood that has ever been performed. Friends, if you've responded to the call of Christ, you are justified, you are welcome at this table this morning. If you have confessed your sins and asked Jesus to forgive you, you're justified, you're clean, you're invited. Join with us at the table of the servant king. Let me read from Philippians. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking for your own interests, but each of you, the interests of others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Congregation, the Lord has prepared his table for true believers. If you are sorry for your sins and sincerely follow Jesus Christ as your Saviour and your Lord, you are invited to come with gladness
to the table of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you that you sent him as a servant king. Manhood and deity in perfect harmony to come to serve and to save your people and restore your people to yourself through his death and resurrection. We thank you for this reminder this morning. In your precious name, amen.